What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Sports. We got a packed house tonight. Woo! So it's going to be myself, Dom, Evan, and David. We're going to do a lot of football talk today, um, just because that's kind of what's going on. Um, and then maybe Dom and I will argue about Wrexham like we were off off recording here, maybe a little bit later on. <laughs> but, uh, let's go ahead and kick it off with some basketball. We'll start in the WNBA. Not a topic we talk about a bunch, but I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with it. I kind of told the guys that this is one of our topics thrown out there, the Las Vegas Aces. If you guys don't know, they did win the championship uh, last season, and they got even better going into the season uh, coming up. So they added Candace Parker to their already loaded roster of Kelsey Plum, Chelsea Gray, Jackie Young, and Asia Wilson, and adding Candace Parker to that starting five. Pretty much, I would say, if not three, maybe even four, like first ballot Hall of Famers for the WNBA on that team. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, that's, I don't know if you would call that, that's a super team. So probably the WNBA is like first super team that's been created, maybe. Um, I don't know how good that's going to be for the WNBA, but I don't know if you guys have an opinion on that or not. Um, who knows? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, let us know at home, guys, if you keep up with the WNBA. I don't know, but um, let's go ahead and before we get into wait, hold on. You there, did Evan? Did you have something, Evan? Yeah. <laughs> we cannot know. You're breaking up a little bit. Um. Well, while Evan is uh figuring out his technical difficulties there. Um, let's go ahead before we talk about officiating within uh sports and stuff like that. Let's go ahead and um let's talk about LeBron. And I think he's about a hundred points away from passing Kareem for um number one in points scored in NBA history. I know he has the most points scored in the postseason as well, too. So, you know, how big of a deal is this? gonna be when it when it happens and uh and i guess just what do you guys think about it in general honestly i think that it's it's big for right now and definitely really really cool especially considering it's been what when did kareem retire like i think i think they said that nobody that's been almost 40 years i think they yeah yeah it's almost been 40 50 years since anyone's touched it or even come close so I think that's important for now because I think we've mentioned it before, records are meant to be meant to be broken at some point. Yeah. So. I mean I think it's it's a testament because you gotta think what LeBron had to do, what twenty or this is night season nineteen, I think. So nineteen mm-hmm. pretty much nineteen straight seasons of scoring twenty five or more points a night. Um mm-hmm. he, that's what it's taken to beat, you know, the, the record or, or set it. And I think that's something that, you know, it's a testament to Kareem, obviously a guy who played in an era where the, the three point shot wasn't, wasn't a thing. And he was able to score that many points without that. And then a testament to LeBron's longevity and just his continued, just his ability to have that level of success year in and year out, I think is a, is, is a crazy thing. But um, Dom, did you have something on this? I mean, I think it'll be a pretty big deal in the moment, but I I think LeBron's bigger goal right now is trying to get the Lakers back into the playoff uh, contention. But I mean, I'm sure it's, it's going to be a big deal. Um, It's going to be a, it it is a great accomplishment and 
I mean, it's just another, you know, check mark on what is arguably one of, if not the best career of all time. Yeah. Yeah. I can't agree more. Yeah. And I don't, I, I guess like when you guys say it's a, it's a big thing in this moment, I think it's going to be something that, it, I, I mean, who who knows how long it'll stand in this era of the, the three point shot. You know what I mean? There's going to be somebody um, who probably will pass it sooner than, than the 40 year mark that I think Kareem had it, you know what I mean? But I think, uh, I think just him, you know, having that ability to do it and, and, and he kind of played in an era where there was the three point shot, but it wasn't something that was taken advantage of until probably about halfway through his career that much. So, um, no, I don't think he even really shot any three pointers. He did, but he definitely got better towards the end of his career. Like I said, I, the, but the, you gotta think the early 2000s was very much like, um, very much drive the ball inside post moves. That's why you have no guys not two thousands, but yeah, seventies, eighties. No, I mean that was still the early two thousands. Like three point shooting was very much a, a like a, a skill position. It was very much like you had one yeah. guy who was a three point shooter. It wasn't it wasn't like everybody in the league is shooting. You know the th- no, I know. I thought you were saying that into the two thousands, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was a point. No, 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 no. I'm saying the style of basketball in which, like, LeBron was playing in with those guys in the early 2000s was very much like mid-range game. It was, you know, mid-range jump shots or or inside game. And the three three ball was just a skill position, like like rebounding was a skill position. It wasn't like something that was, you know, um, that, uh, that. I guess popular amongst all the players, if you want to say so. Yeah, because you still had the likes of Shaq, like, Talent yeah. of his time still there. You had Big Ben Wallace going on. You're talking about Tim Duncan, Dark Nowitzki. Yeah, I mean you had guys that yeah banged inside. So, um, Evan, did you get your technical? Let's difficulties? See, can you guys hear me now? There we yeah. go. Heck yeah, yeah. All right, let's go. let's go. Okay, good. I'm glad you guys can hear me because I wanted to add in a couple of things. Um, yeah, I think I think it's huge. I think it's really huge. I know when I started watching basketball. Um, you know, probably late 2000s, uh, really watching a lot of basketball. A lot of times this was talked about as a record that's never going to be broken. And again, like you said, Nick, that was before the three-point explosion. Um, but again, LeBron's not a guy that's shooting like Steph Curry. So mm-hmm. it really just speaks to him, his longevity, that, like you said, he's in year 20 right now. Um, he scored at least 25 points a game. The past couple of years have been his biggest scoring seasons, too. Um, I think he's right around 30 points per game this year. I want to say, I think he led the league in scoring or close to it. Um, one of the past two years. So that's huge. But, um, another thing I just saw recently that I didn't even realize is that LeBron's also about to become, uh, fifth in assists. He needs like seven assists, which is basically what he gets in a game, um, Mm -hmm. to be fifth in assists. So he's probably going to pass that within the same week that he gets a scoring record. So that just shows, you know, how multifaceted of a of a player he is because all the rest of the guys on the assist list, um, it's John Stockton, Jason Kidd, Chris Paul, Steve Nash, and Mark Jackson ahead of him right now. Those are good scorers, but nowhere near uh, top all-time scorers. So I think it just yeah. shows uh, the all-around game that LeBron has. And again, just proof of his longevity that we really haven't seen before. And I don't know if we'll see again, but uh, I, I think it's just incredible. Yeah, it's a, it's a longevity and a consistency. That's that's like a. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've we've seen guys who are like really good in their um, 
I guess in, in the aspects of the game that, that they do really well, you know, like either they're really good at rebounding or defense or scoring or passing, but we haven't seen a guy who's been able to consistently average eight rebounds, you know, seven assists, 25 plus points a night. I don't think that's, we've never seen anybody do that. So no, and stay as relatively healthy as he has been. I mean, up until the last couple of years, yeah. You know, he really didn't have any major injuries. So that's only prolonged his his career and mm-hmm. you know made it made you know this record possible. That's the other thing too, is is there's a possibility that if he hadn't had, you know, the the two like freak injuries that he's had the past, you know, I guess what the where he had the groin injury like three seasons ago or something like that, four seasons ago. Um, he had, I forget what the other one was, but you're talking about his whole time with the Lakers. I think he's, he, I don't think he's played more than 65 games, which before that he was averaging right around, um, like 65 to 70 something games a season or something like that. So you're talking about, you know, somebody who probably missed 10 to 15 games more than what he would in a season over the past, like four or five seasons. So who knows compounded if, if we would be talking about him reaching this even before this season. So. Yeah. I mean, if if he would have played his normal, normal amount of games, the last four years, he definitely would have broken it probably last year, the year before. Definitely. I don't think the year before, but definitely last year, like towards the end of the season or, or it would have been something that he would have broke at the beginning of the season, not, not halfway through, but, or more than halfway through. But I think that uh, regardless, that's just a, again, I don't I don't think it'll take somebody 40 years to break it just the way the NBA is now with scoring and stuff like that. But hopefully he gets to hold on to it at least for a little bit. You know what I mean? I think I don't know who's close to it right now, but yeah. I quick question for you guys. So go, going off of Nick, you saying the way that the NBA is right now, you know, things everything's a trend, right? You know, the game goes through different phases. Right now we're seeing a, a three-point, you know, almost like revolution where every, everyone's just shooting three-pointers all day. Do you guys see that, you know, eventually changing? Do you think we'll get back to the style of basketball that we saw late 90s, early 2000s? Or do you think that this is just the way basketball is, is going to be? Like, I, I guess, like, my, my bigger question is, like, what's the next evolution in the game? You know, do they add a four-point shot? Does that completely change everything? Or I, I think that the next evolution – is probably they're probably going to add the four point shot into it. I think the G League already does it or something like that, or they've tried it before, um, and it seemed to be somewhat successful there. But I think the I think honestly, what the next evolution of the game is going to look like is we're it's going to be it's going to be this wave of players from outside the United States that comes into the NBA and kind of takes over the NBA. I think that's I think that's what we're going to see, and I think. What they're gonna bring with that is very much a game um like Luca plays, like an all around kind of game where they, they can score 40 points a night, they can get 20 assists a night, you know what I mean? They can rebound the ball too. I think that's like that's that but still that's, no defense. But yeah, I mean, well, it just I think it depends on who you get, right? Because I mean you get yeah, exactly. you have you have Nikola Jokic, you have Giannis. Um, you have Joel Embiid. I think they play really well defensively. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, Luca's a little bit soft if if he kind of, but that's just the way that his his body is, and I wouldn't change it because he he's 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 good for what he does. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, but I mean those those are yeah. only like 
you know, four or five people that you mentioned, that's not like everyone having the mentality of I need to actually try on defense. On top of because that. It, what, I, what I fear is the NBA is just going to be, it's going to turn into what the all-star game is. It's like a giant pickup game. Yeah. No one's trying on defense, and every game is going to end up with a score well, of one eighty to one seventy. That's why I was saying I think this this wave of people from overseas that's going to come into the NBA and play basketball. I think they're going to play, they're going to play a more well rounded game of basketball, which includes defense. If you if you watch, you know, leagues from overseas, they're playing a lot more defense. The game is is taught a lot more fundamentally. You know what I mean? Over here in America, that, they don't deal with the three second rule. So a lot of their big men stay in that post area. And so, yeah, they, they just don't have to deal with the three-second rule. And well, that's something no. they brought up, like Luka, Giannis. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's... The big men who can't necessarily defend the outer sides all too well on the outside. Yeah, I don't know if that's really what's contributing to them actually playing defense. I just think that that they're that they actually have a um I don't I guess they actually have a farm system overseas for basketball like in the United well, States. They, they we, teach it. Yeah, we just It's we, not just having a farm system. They they teach defense. Well, that's what I was saying. I feel like, like they they actually they actually have a system in which they're growing people you know, people to be basketball players. We just have like AAU and we just stick kids out there on the court and say, go play basketball. And then whoever's like a freak athlete, that's, that's the ones that are being picked out. You know what I mean? To be, I guess, picked to go to college and stuff like that. But, but also kid, kids in youth sports, they, you know, we, we played youth sports. We replicated what we saw the pros do. These kids are, are the exact same way. So they see the pros, just shooting three and not playing defense. Well, these these kids are doing the exact same thing. Yeah, I yeah think they're going to be... go ahead, Evan. I was just going to say, I think it's going to be like Nick said at the beginning, just an evolution as there's always been in basketball. Um, I mean, there was times when Wilt Chamberlain was putting up fifty rebounds and fifty points a game, mm-hmm. um, and you know, then the three point shot went in and, and things changed a little bit. I don't know if it'll be like Nick said, a four point shot, but I do think somebody's going to figure it out on defense and eventually they're probably going to, the NBA has been pretty good about shifting rules a little bit to make things competitive. Um, you know, for a while back in the, I believe nineties and early two thousands, they had hand checking. Um, and then the defense got a little too strong and we were seeing, you know, playoff games be 65 to 72. Um, and that's not the most exciting things to the fans. So there may be some kind of adjustments that are made uh, to make defense a little bit, uh, you know, have a little bit more strength than it does now. Um, I don't think we're ever going to go back to that point where games are going to be under 100. Um, I just think there's too much skill and talent in the league now, but I think it's always going to be um, that kind of back and forth evolution where, uh, you know, the league's going to, the league's going to, te- um, the league's going to tinker with some things. Of course, there's going to be coaches that are going to figure some things out. Um, and I think it's just always going to kind of shift like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean I don't I don't I don't I don't think we really know what the next evolution of the game really looks like because I mean at this point there is no nobody can really specialize in something anymore. You have to you have to kind of be able to shoot the 3 and just score at will um and then play enough defense 
to not let somebody score 200 points in a game. That's that's really the only require, requirement to play in the NBA at this point. You, it doesn't matter if you're a really good rebounder or you're really good at shooting threes or you're a really good passer. Like They don't care about that stuff anymore. You have to be a little bit more well-rounded. That's why we have seven-footers that can bring the ball up the court and like either pass it, shoot the three, like they can dribble, like they, they can get around guards. Like that's, I mean, that's why we have like, you have guys who are six, nine who can guard all five positions at this point. It doesn't matter. So it's a, it's a very, very much like an, an all around kind of well-rounded game at this point. I don't know. I don't know what the next evolution looks like. And I don't see them going backwards to what it used to be just because I don't know. Unless it gets reset, but definitely interesting. Definitely interesting. So, um, anything else on that? No? Yeah, let us know at home, guys. That's a good question by Dom. What do you think the next, I guess, the next decade of the NBA really looks like? Because we've, I, I feel like we're still going to be in a three-point era, but maybe something's a little bit different from it. But just let us know what you guys think it, it looks like, because each decade it seems to look a little bit different. Um, so yeah, uh, let's go ahead and we'll kind of stick within basketball, but I'm going to add, you know, the other, maybe two of the other major sports in, uh, in football and baseball here. Um, I know that there's been a lot of talk about changing the way officiating is done in baseball, whether that's adding a, um, that like pitch automated thing or whatever, when the pitch goes in, it basically tells them if it's a strike or a ball, um, yeah, think, like a robo umpire. Yeah, I think the ML, I think the miners do that right now. It seemed to be pretty successful. Obviously, this past week, um, you know, the, the Lakers kind of got robbed a little bit by the refs. Um, and that at the end of that game, um, by missing a call. We talk about the the AFC championship game with the Bengals and the Chiefs. Um, there's lots of questionable calls that come with that one. <laughs> we'll talk probably more in depth about it later when we talk about the the championship games. But I guess in your guys's opinion or mine, like where is officiating in sports right now, and 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 how do we how do we improve it so these these big time situations these these calls don't get messed up in those because. Because it seems like a lot of the calls that that really matter are being messed up on, and then they're really affecting the outcomes of of games. I think it's not in the best spot, but I also feel like people overreact sometimes. Um, going off of you know what I what I know about Major League Baseball, people always complain about the umpires behind the plate and how you know horrible they are. But you look at the call like success rate, and they're still calling balls and strikes at like a ninety-eight to ninety, almost like ninety-nine percent accuracy rate. You know that it's you know it still happens, but you know you can't get every call right. So still ninety-nine percent of the time they're they're getting it correct. I I don't see how that's a big deal. Um, I think refs for the most part do good jobs is just when they mess up, it's just amplified so much and it makes it seem like they're getting every call wrong. Um, but I think, you know, maybe train them a little bit better, make communication with the league, I guess, more efficient. So everyone's on the same page of what the rules are and how to interpret the rules. Um, and I guess make more stuff reviewable. I mean, you mentioned the call at the end of the Lakers Celtics game, that call definitely should have been been reviewed and, and possibly overturned. 
but I, I don't think we need to completely, you know, change how we, we officiate sports because for the most part, the refs do a good job of what they do, which is when they mess up, it's, it almost breaks the internet every time they do it. Yeah. I think, uh, I was watching like the, the Pat McAfee show or whatever. And he made, he made the comment of, um, you know, we watch, we watch everything in like 4k right now or 8k in, in some instances. And like the, when they when they go back and they replay it for us, like we're watching it break down in real time. So this is like almost the worst time to be a referee or an umpire in like any sport because their mistakes are so amplified. And when you talk about, you know, the Lakers Celtics game, you got millions of people probably watching that. You talk about the AFC championship game and those calls you have. I think it was like probably over 30 million people that watch that game. So you have like you have a ton of people that are that are watching these games and in real time we're getting the ability to to see that and kind of see that you know the call was blown um but they're having to make it in those like seconds as well too so i think i agree with you dom in, in that aspect that and also we we need to realize that you know we as fans don't always watch sports objectively so there may be a call that could go either way and we think, oh my God, that's that's such a missed call. But we're not watching things objectively. Yeah. We're, we're letting I'm, our fan not, bias kind of. I'm not talking about the calls up. that that go either way. I'm talking about the calls that are that are blatant, like that are blatant misses. That but the, those are those are even more rare. But yeah, I see they're not point. they're not they're not that rare. Like I know I know I'm not I know that the the refs and especially in the NBA and the NFL aren't like they're not awful. They don't they don't make a hundred percent of their calls aren't. Aren't bad, but there, there, there is a lot of calls that that get made that affect games in different ways. That if, but also to be, there was a little bit of a system in place, you know, to be able to review those. That that I think that the outcomes of those games would be a lot differently. Um, To be fair, though, the reason why that these are coming up is because many people notice them only during like massive games, and that's it. These are probably normal calls and no one really gives two two darns about. But once playoffs come around, then everyone cares. Well, I would I would say the NFL people care every game because you have you have a good bit of people that watch NFL games. Now unless you're watching like the Texans Bears game, then there might be not there might not be eight million people that watch that game. But you know, I mean you still have a decent amount of people that that watch the games. Like, yes, the NBA might be a little bit different because it's the the games aren't as viewed as they are when it gets closer to the end of the season or in the postseason. But I mean, they're still being amplified because of social media, because of all that stuff. Like just because you don't watch it doesn't mean you're not gonna know about it. You know what I mean? I didn't even get a chance to watch the Lakers Celtics game because it was at night and I was already in bed because I had to get up at two in the morning. But when I woke up to get ready for work the next morning, that was all over social media, right? So it was something that, you know, I would I, even though I didn't even watch the game, I was able to go back and see it, videos, recaps of it in real time of 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 the mistake that was made. You know what I mean? So I think I think that there does need to be a little bit of a tweak when it comes to replays or or whatever it needs to be done so that that maybe even somebody else who can who can look at that in real time and be like hey that was wrong we need to switch it you know what i mean like i don't know what needs to be done there but i know evan probably wants to say something yeah well i think you hit it right on the head too when you were talking about the social media of it all i think that's the biggest reason why um 
everything is so scrutinized now is because you can see it over and over. You can see it mm-hmm. on your Twitter feed the next day, even if you didn't watch the game in slow motion, everybody's talking about it. So, I mean, refs are probably the best. I would imagine they're probably the best they've ever been right now. Just like a lot of the athletes that we talk about in football, basketball are some of the most skilled that we've ever seen. It's just, everything is amplified because you can review it. And I know there are some people who I've seen people saying like, oh, refs need to get fined, refs need to get suspended. I don't think that's the right move in this situation because they're not honestly making enough money for them to be fined for doing their job and and honestly trying their best when things are moving a thousand miles an hour. Um, But I, I do agree that I think there's a couple easier solutions that they could put into place. I think allowing more uh, things to be reviewable um, and overturned at the end of games, especially crucial games, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in playoff games or in the NBA in the last 30 seconds, something like that. I've also heard someone suggest just increasing the amount of officials at each game, which I hadn't really heard anyone say before, um, but I think it's interesting. I mean, at the NBA, there's only three officials on the court at a time um, and there only has to be two if someone gets hurt. So if you bump that up to four or five, you've got more eyes first and foremost, but you're also the refs are running up and down the field and the, up and down the court a lot less. So, you know, they're probably less fatigued and so they probably make better calls. So I think that's something those two things are relatively easy fixes that could make a big difference in terms of some of these calls. Well, I did I did see too, like the NFL refs aren't full-time employees. They're part-time employees. So they're not really like they're they're probably making good money for for what they're doing. But if they were full-time employees, like full-time invested in just being a referee for the NFL, like I'm sure that there would be there'd be better quality that would come from that because that's what they were focusing on full time. Um first and then I I do think maybe adding a couple more, you know, on the field in the NFL or maybe even adding up to five um, in an NBA game would be maybe helpful, too. I, I also heard like the the XFL, they literally had a, a person up in the um what like the announcers booth or something like that somewhere. But they were on site and they were literally surrounded by a bunch of monitors of all the different camera angles and in real time. They could fast forward. Um, slow down, rewind. They could see everything that was going on, um, and they had that ability to watch stuff in real time. So in that like thirty to forty seconds in between plays, they could um, they could really kind of break down what was going on in that play and see if there's anything that was missed down on the field, and especially if there was like a big call or something like that. And then they would radio, they would you know radio down and be like, hey yo, like you guys missed this or this needs to be called or you guys said this was this and it's not. So maybe that's something that needs to be added on the NFL level. I don't know how that would really work on the NBA level because everything is so kind of bang, bang. But maybe like you were saying, some extra eyes might be a little bit helpful because then maybe you have like two people at at the half court line. You can have one person on each baseline and then you can have one one ref that's kind of moving up and down the court or something like that. And that might be a little bit more manageable of kind of seeing what's going on and stuff like that. But yeah, and I know that's something in terms of the NBA. I know that that's kind of what they do in terms of counting stats already. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in terms of blocks, in terms of rebounds, they have all those different camera angles, and the scorekeepers um, are able to watch that on dead balls. So it's a technology that's already in existence. So yeah, maybe it's you know more people on the court, and then someone else, you know, in the press box or even offsite um, watching each game and it, when the dead ball happens, or if it is in those last you know two minutes, maybe it's just 
calling it dead, but fixing those mistakes because it is unfortunate. Like in all these situations, you never want your season to be determined by officiating. Yeah, um, yeah. But I don't. I and and I don't and I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think it's the best that we've ever seen officiating. I don't really agree with that comment. But I do think that um, I do think there are things that we that they could do to make it make them better and more invested in what's going yeah. on, especially within the NFL. I think it's it's hard to compare because, like you mentioned, we're watching everything in high def and every, like we're yeah. we have access to all these replays. If you know sports when we were kids and and starting to watch sports was the same as now, mm-hmm. I, I feel like refs would have been more scrutinized. And I think Evan has a point that the refs probably are better now than they ever have been. It's just everything is so amplified, and we're able to. Re- really critique every little minuscule mistake that, that these guys make. Um, and it, it makes it seem like they all suck at their job, you know? Well, maybe, maybe they do suck. It's just the people now, that are, now we're more, more aware of it. More aware of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cause I mean, they, they also to, to go off of your point earlier, you mentioned that NFL refs aren't full-time employees. So I was curious as to what they make. Um, NFL refs, um, at at the high end, can expect to make two hundred five thousand dollars a year. So even though they're part time, they're they're really nicely compensated, and yeah, they yeah. probably don't have to do any other jobs. So they could definitely commit to. Uh, they, they they still should be fully invested in being an NFL ref. They, yeah, yeah. With yeah. with what they're being compensated, they they can definitely afford to be uh fully invested. Yeah. But maybe maybe there needs to be something said that in the off season, maybe they need to do training or practice or I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it needs to be something that needs to be a little bit more involved. I, I did see something. Yeah, like that. At, I mean, at the beginning of the year, there's, there's always new rule changes that the NFL yeah. implements. And it seems like it takes, you know, the preseason, then like three or four weeks in the regular season for all the refs to really figure out what the new rule is and how to implement it when that should be taken care of in the off season make sure everyone's on the same page before you, mm-hmm. you know, start playing meaningful games. Like I, I understand, you know, if calls don't really, if calls are messed up in the preseason because, you know, players are starting to get back in shape, refs have to get back into being in games. That's the time to, to work out the kinks in a, in a new rule. Yeah. But by the time the regular season comes around, everyone should be on the same page of, of what the new rules are and how to call them properly. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's a maybe there's a way to work out a deal with these, you know, I guess the two leagues that are going to be spring leagues and and maybe the NFL can you know, put some of their guys in there to keep them in game shape. I know the rules are a little bit different between the leagues, but at least keep them in in game shape and keep their keep the way they they go about. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it I don't know about that because then you're taking away opportunities from guys that maybe want to become NFL refs, but they're getting their start in the USFL or XFL. But I mean, there's dude, there's there's a shit ton of college football that's played too. So, and and also, yeah. and also, I think I think to Evan's point, I think we do need to add more more refs. I think that that would help as well too if there's more eyes on the field. I mean, I don't know how many how many guys ref in the NFL. What is it? They have the head one, and then maybe like five or six other guys maybe so well maybe uh did you guys hear that the usfl speaking of spring leagues uh did you guys hear that the usfl is coming to canton Mm -hmm. yeah we need to go to a game 
Heck yeah. Like they're going to have a, they're just going to have a game there. Or they're having a team that's no, from Canton. Uh, the Pittsburgh team and uh, yeah, the Pittsburgh Maulers and the New Jersey Generals are going to be playing their home games at Canton. Mm. Oh, that's cool. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess Pittsburgh and New Jersey are a little bit closer to their home cities. Maybe next year. If if there's a year three, maybe they'll actually get into their home cities. So what they just they just kind of branched them out a little bit. All the teams they're not playing in. A, was it Birmingham they played in last year? Yeah, I mean, they still yeah. are, but they just added Canton. Yeah, I think there's like three hubs Canton, or something like that or something. Yeah, I think it's Canton, and there's another city. I want to say Detroit is like another hub for the USFL this year. Hmm. I just and, thought that was an interesting, fun fact. Yeah, so I mean, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, because maybe maybe they'll expand maybe a hub that'll go out west or something next next year or something like that too. The USFL last year. Yeah, definitely interesting. Well, uh, let us know, guys, at home what you think about the officiating. Obviously, in this time, like we said before, social media has kind of blown it up, and and we've been able to scrutinize them a lot. So, um, let us know what you think about it. Maybe you have any ideas i know there was a funny joke about making them do press conferences after games or something like that explaining their stuff i don't know um i don't know if that's really the the right way to go about it but maybe there's like funny little things that that we can add into uh into that to uh you know kind of hold them a little bit more accountable or something like that without having to find them but they seem to make enough money maybe to get fined like a couple thousand dollars or something like that um let's go ahead and move into the uh coaching carousel within the NFL. Obviously, three of the five jobs have already been filled. If you guys didn't know, um, just today, Sean Payton was uh basically the Saints brought him back in, got some deal together, and then he ended up signing with the Broncos. Um, Demo Ryan's, who I think was a long-term defensive coordinator for Houston, ended up becoming their not a long term, but he was one of their defensive. Uh, I think he was a defensive coordinator. He got hired as their head coach there in Houston, and then Frank Reich, after getting fired from well, mutual, I guess, parting from the Colts, he ended up going to Carolina. So, what do you guys think about those three hirings? And um, yeah, what do you think about them? I think the balls on D'Amico Ryan to take the Houston job. When he was the Broncos' first choice, and the the Broncos offered him the job, and he's like, "I'm going to go to Houston, and and take on on that mess of a position." They got him in a, a six year contract, and you know we we talked about this before, but I think if you're a first time head coach, if you're given time and the ability to kind of form the team and the staff as you wish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're you're pretty much starting with a clean slate. You can really build that organization how you want to, and you're not really locked into any bad contracts except for maybe Laramie Tunsil. Um, I think for the Broncos to give up a first and a second for their second or third choice as, as a head coach, I, I think that's that's a pretty hefty price tag. But I think in the end, it's probably going to work out for them. Um, they definitely got they got the talent on paper to be successful with Sean Payton, but we'll, we'll see if it actually works out. Yeah. I mean, not that um, Russell Wilson is Drew Brees, but a very similar, like shorter quarterback. Um, I think they're very similar in throwing motions. Like 
not big arm talent, but has enough to get the ball down the field. You know, Russell can kind of move a little bit more than what Drew Brees could. But I think that if they could run Sean Payton or Sean Payton's offense, you know, if they wanted to. And uh, as long as that that wide receiving core can stay healthy, you know, he had lots of success there there. in uh, New Orleans with like Michael Thomas and, and everybody else that was there. So. I don't know. Definitely, definitely. I think probably one because I what like a couple days ago, we kind of thought that Sean Payton was going back to TV and he wasn't going to be in the NFL. So definitely kind of a shocking one for me because I thought he was done. Uh, Demo Ryan's don't really know who he is, but I mean, kudos to him for taking the Houston job. That kind of seems like a a trap job for me. So they don't seem to really care about giving somebody a chance to rebuild because they just. Got rid of Levy Smith after one year, um, so hopefully, I think hopefully this is they different because, him... I mean, Tamiko Ryan's he's a, he's a younger guy. He it's not like Levy Smith who was a big time head coach 10, 15 years ago with the Bears, and then was out of head coaching for a while. This is this is a young guy. His first head coaching job, I I think they'll. I think they'll give him at least three to four years. I know that's a long time for the Texans, I, I'd, but I'd I'd have to I'd have to see it because this this is an organization that that doesn't that doesn't have any patience for some reason for the position that they're in, and they've constantly been you know other than when they had Deshaun Watson, they've really kind of been in a situation where they haven't had much success, and they don't allow their coaches the opportunity to build the team that they that they want to build or, or give them the opportunity to rebuild. They've just been in a constant rebuild. You know what I mean? The like and are it, and Texas I just huh? Browns? Are the Houston what? Texans yeah, Browns? I was just about to ask you are the, the Houston Texans the new Browns? No, because the Houston Texans were always this way too. I mean the 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 Houston Texans, the Browns, the Jets, like the 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 Jaguars. Well, I mean, the, the Texans who is their head coach before um when they were making the playoffs, there was um, Bill O'Brien. Then there was a guy before him with Matt Shaw when Matt Shaw was the quarterback. Um, I don't know. Hold on, now I got to look it up. But I mean, I just, I think but he, I, the, the guy that I'm thinking of that I can't think of his name, he was the head coach for a good number of years there. Yeah. But let's also not forget that the Texans have only been around since 2002. So, I mean, in the terms of an NFL franchise, they're still a relatively new organization no no yeah i'm not i mean what because they've been around since 2002 the the jets have been around for quite a while the if you talk the jet, about yeah they're the historic franchise who who else did i mention the browns i, I mean i mean technically yeah. the browns have only been around since 99 if you talk about this no, but the but this this this, it, this iteration this it, of the browns technically you can still say yeah. that it's a it's a new team a new you know what i mean like a new organization those kinds of things um, yeah, and then um, the guy that I was thinking of was Gary was Gary Kubiak. He was the coach from 2006 yeah. to 2013. That's I mean that's probably the longest run they've given a coach that they've had. That's I feel like from the start, yeah, by far, existence yeah. to about middle of their existence. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, I just I I I hope they give him a chance to. Because they're they're gonna be bad again next year. It's not like they're really gonna be able to, un- unless unless 
you know, like they're able to draft the quarterback they want and they draft really well like Seattle did and they go in free agency and they add some really meaningful pieces. I mean, then we then then maybe they they might have some some success. Maybe maybe they're able to follow like the the Detroit method or something like that and really just kind of get guys in there who really want to play football. Um, and they just draft well. I, I I don't know. I mean, it's it's not out of the realm of possibilities that they can't turn it around quick. But I do think it's going to be, you know, two or three seasons before we see them really make any noise. But they have to give him the chance to do it. So, and then the Frank Reich hiring for Carolina for me was, I, I don't know. I don't know why you hire him. I think kind of see. What I he think that the, in Indy, but. I think that's a good move. Because I, I don't think he he got the best opportunity in Indy because he never had a he never had a quarterback. He Let's, had one. He, he had fucking a local Indianapolis Colts fan here. <laughs> yeah, okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna chime in on the Frank Reich hiring. I actually agree with actually agree with Dom. Surprisingly, I think it's a good hire for where they are right now. I don't think Frank Reich's gonna be the guy that's gonna end up taking them to the Super Bowl. But sometimes you see those coaches that are like that bridge coach where they get them back to being competitive. They get them maybe back to the playoffs. I'm not saying next year or anything like that, but, you know, can get them back to being competitive. I I liked Frank Reich um, for the Colts until it was just clear that he, he wasn't going to get them over the edge. And then it was like, why are we wasting time here? So, I mean, I think he's a good coach for Carolina right now. Apparently he has roots in Carolina as well. Um, Apparently he was their first, I think he was their first starting quarterback because um, he was a backup and someone was hurt when they had their first season, uh, their first couple games. So I think he'll be good. I think he'll turn them around um, a good bit this upcoming year. I just don't think, I think he's going to be more of a bridge than someone long-term to to take them to the promised land. But I think with who was out there, I think it kind of made sense for them. Um, but in terms of, Frank Reich in Indianapolis, yeah, he had some good years. He obviously got kind of screwed over by Andrew Luck's retirement, but he kind of made his own bed too when it was heavily reported that he was the one who wanted Carson Wentz. Um, you know, he had those ties to him, and then once that didn't work out, I feel like his ship kind of just sailed in Indianapolis. So it'll be interesting to see if, if again, they get a quarter, young quarterback, someone he can grow with. I think they could be moderately successful. Yeah, I, I think he'll definitely be the guy to kind of steady the ship because it's kind of, you know, kind of gone off the rails there a little bit uh, the last couple of years with their, especially their quarterback situation. But yeah, I, I think, I think him being able to draft a quarterback in the first round um, and kind of grow, like help that quarterback grow. Because I mean, we, we look at this team, they were not far out of playoff contention. I know they were in the worst division in football. But I mean, they down the stretch. They were still a pretty competitive team. There's there's young talent on that roster. They just need a good coach that can help develop that talent. And I, I think I think Frank Wright could help be that guy. I just don't see him having any success because there he's going to be in the same situation that he was in Indy. Like he's going to have an okay team, but he's not going to have a quarterback. So, and then either. They're gonna but have- at least there'll be a clear succession plan. Like I'm looking at a mock draft right now. They're projected to take Anthony Richardson, who's a project. If they can get a, a guy in there that could be a bridge quarterback for a year or two while Richardson develops, it, it, at least it's not the the rent the rent a quarterback who's about to retire. I mean, but that's, kind of but that's, 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 that's that the, what the they're going to have to do. They're going to have to go rent a quarterback somewhere, and like it hasn't it hasn't worked out. You know what I mean? It doesn't. 
and Carolina doesn't seem like a destination that like like Tom Brady's not going to want to probably want to go to Carolina. I don't think I mean maybe may, maybe the Packers would do a deal with them to send the Aaron Rodgers, but I mean at that point do you draft a quarterback then? You know what I mean? Do you go out and get Derek Carr or Jimmy G? Like who I I, I don't know, do you bring think, back I think in Jimmy G would be Yeah, I think drafting Anthony Richardson at nine and then going out and getting someone like Jimmy G that I think that would be a good move because Jimmy G can play good for them right now. And then when he gets hurt at some point in the season, Richardson can come in, but Jimmy G could also but be a good you, mentor. How do you, how, how do you build a, a play action offense around Jimmy G and then turn around and throw a run first quarterback into that? Like that. I mean, you're going to have to have two completely different offenses. So you're you're gonna you're gonna have to bring a I mean, guy in who could be a bridge quarterback that would be able to play that that like run first kind of play action West Coast offense or whatever it may be like like a like a Philly offense or something like that for Anthony Richardson like that's where he's gonna be most successful Philly Baltimore kind of offense, um, so I don't know. I, I just don't I don't know who they would go out there and and get that that would play that and Frank Reich doesn't seem like a guy who wants a run first quarterback he had Carson Wentz in Philly and then the guys that he brought in to Carolina when you talk about or, or sorry Indy when you talk about you know he brought Carson Wentz back in they had Philip Rivers he's a statue they had Matt Ryan he's a statue they drafted um uh who'd they draft this past year I forget his name but. He he wasn't really a mobile quarterback, so I just don't know. I don't know, unless they try to move up and maybe get like Will Levis or something like that. But I mean, I I think if they want a rookie quarterback, I think that would be their only option. If because if they're not sold on an Anthony Richardson, then their only option is to move up. But I, I think Derek Carr, if they're looking for a guy that could be a longer term option, longer term being, you know, six to seven years. I mean, Derek Carr is what, 30, 29, 30. Hold on. Yeah. I mean, Derek, Derek Carr and Jimmy G are, are good options. I don't, I don't think that'd be a bad option. I just, I just don't know. I Derek Carr is 31. So, I mean, he, he could still be a relatively good quarterback for a couple of years, you know, or maybe their plan is they don't, they're set on tanking. They, fill out the roster with other skill position players at, at nine and the rest of the draft. And then they tank for, um, was it Caleb Williams from, from USC? Yeah. The quarterback class next year seems to be pretty, at least it seems to be pretty, pretty good. So there it seems to be like three or four guys that they could be difference makers in the NFL next year. So I don't know. It's a good question. Uh, let's talk about the two coaching jobs that are still vacant. So you got the Cardinals coaching job. It seems like the guys that are still in the running for that one would be um, Louis Anamaro. Probably said that wrong, but he's the DC for Cincinnati. You have uh, Brian Callahan, the OC for Cincinnati. Um, wow, I'm not going to say this right, but his last name is Evro, DC for Denver. Um, Aaron Glenn, DC for the Lions. Vance Joseph, DC for the Cardinals. And Mike Cook. Col- Kafka, Kafka. I don't think I said that right, but he's the OC for the Giants. Um, and then the Colts job, and basically the there was like five guys that were going in for second interview. So you had Raheem uh, Morris, DC for the Rams, uh, Evro, the DC for Denver, um, Rich Basachi. He's like the special teams coach for the Packers. So we've seen a special teams coach get hired before as a coach. 
didn't really work out that much, but okay. Uh, you have Brian Callahan again, OC for the for the Bengals, and then Wink Martingale, DC for the Giants. Martindale. Huh? Martindale. Martingale or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Martingale, maybe, yeah. Um, oh, and I forgot Brian Flores was still in the running for the Cardinals job as well, too. So between all those guys, between both jobs, you know, who would you guys like to see um in each jobs? And uh who do you think would you know, obviously the guys that you would like to see there, how well do you think they would do within those those jobs? First of all, how was Brian Flores not in the front running uh, for a head coaching job? Because he's suing the NFL and the owners don't yeah. like that. Sure. Yeah. I think I think for the Cardinals job, I don't know if he would like it like being the Cardinals head coach, but I think that if if anybody could potentially get Kyler Murray to get his head out of his butt and really focus on football, Brian Flores might be the guy to do that. But I don't know. That that's that's a job where you're tied to a quarterback who doesn't seem to really it's it's almost like a Jay Cutler situation. You have a guy with all the talent, but he doesn't seem to care to use it. Mm. I, I think know. his talent has always been a little overrated as a quarterback, but I I, I see your point. Well, yes, um, I'm, I, he has he has a lot of raw talent that he doesn't seem to want to develop or get better at. Um, and even when he is good, it doesn't seem that he's really trying that much. So I don't know. But anyway, what do you guys think about? Um, those guys and if you need me to listen to their names off again i can <laughs> well for the colts job first of all you forgot uh jeff saturday is still on the running but as a colts what? fan i would he say he wasn't called back for a second interview he was he was yeah oh he was oh, I, I didn't yeah. see that. Jeez. um i would say with that being said give me anybody but jeff saturday as a Colts yeah. fan um <laughs> i love jeff saturday from his playing days you know the center for peyton manning but uh we saw we saw how that went giving up I think he went one and nine, giving up the largest comeback in NFL history. Mm -hmm. Um, He's not the guy I think we've seen. So I'd really be interested to see uh, Eric Bieniemy get that job for the Colts. I don't know if he'll end up leaving Kansas City uh, for that, but I'd be interested to see that. Just we've seen how versatile his offense could be, and I think that's what the Colts will need. Probably Mm -hmm. going with a rookie quarterback. So I'd be interested in in seeing him. Um, And Rich Bisaccia, I know, was the – uh, Raiders interim a couple years back. Mm-hmm. He seemed to at least be a guy that was well liked by the players. So I don't know, but I'll I'll just say anyone but uh but Jeff Saturday for the Colts as a Colts fan. I will, I will say I did hear that um Eric Bieniemy is looking to I think he's already interested in hiring for the um Ravens offensive coordinator position. So I, I think he's I don't know if he's looking for a head coaching job at this point. I think he's looking for another play calling. Uh, position. So he wants he wants to leave the Chiefs to go to the Ravens. Interesting. Yeah. If what I heard is, is true, I mean, hmm. I don't know. He may, may just, every now and then you get bored of being in one place doing the same thing for too long and you're ready for a new challenge and a new uh, direction in your career and he that might be what he thinks is best for him. Yeah, and maybe they offered him a bunch of money because they want Lamar to stay. So they're like, hey, look, look who we got you. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, yeah. You want to stay? We just, we just got you one of the one of, if not the best offensive coordinators in the league. Yeah. yeah, I, I think, I think Brian Flores would be a better fit with the Colts than the Cardinals. I think that'd be a better 
fit for him, especially as a defensive coach. Um, obviously, they'd have to get a young quarterback, but I mean, he's had to deal with that before with Tua and then having Ryan Fitzpatrick and going back and forth. He seems pretty comfortable in that developmental kind of role um, and being open and honest with his quarterback group. So that's definitely a plus, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. I would like I would like that hire for the Colts. I don't think I've seen him as one of the the guys that they've been interviewing um, in that second round. But I would I would certainly like that just based on his success that he's had with, like you said, Tua Fitzpatrick. Could be a good yeah. fit. I mean, listen, yeah. self selfishly, I would love for him to stay with the Steelers because not that I think Mike Tomlin's going to retire anytime soon, but it's always a possibility when you have a guy who's you know, coming up on 20 years in the league. Um, but he was lot. hired so young as a head coach. Like, he's been your head coach for 16 years, but he's still... No, no, I'm not, not, I'm not, not, I'm not, not saying, old. I'm not saying that he should retire. I'm not saying that he's old, but I'm just saying tw- like 20 years as an NFL head coach, whether or not we want to believe it, 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 it weighs on you, you know, mentally, physically, whatever that may be. So I'm not saying yeah. that he's going to retire, but it, it wouldn't surprise me once he hits that 20 year mark, if maybe he wants to take a break or step away or something like that. And Brian Flores would be a guy that that I would immediately love to just step in and take over, and and I think he'd be a good guy to to kind of lead the ship for another twenty years if we can get him to do that. So, yeah, um, I mean, unfortunately, I don't think as much as we want Brian Flores to be a head coach, while he's suing the NFL and mm-hmm. maybe for a couple years afterwards, I I really don't think that he's going to become a head coach. I can see him being a defensive coordinator for a team. Yeah. But I don't think he's going to be getting a head coaching job anytime soon. So I think any any team that's looking for a defensive coordinator right now, um, he'd be a good fit for. I mean, the only thing with him that I'd have to watch out for is, you know, there, there were reports out of Miami that he had, you know, some run-ins with players and some players really didn't like him too much. I mean, you got to see that with every coach, but it seems like there were quite a bit of reports of him not getting along with players. Um, I think Evro would be a good fit for um for the Colts or the or the Cardinals. I mean he, he was the defensive coordinator for you know arguably the best defense in football this year or one of the best defenses in football. Um I feel like he'd be a guy that's that's good at delegating so he'll hire an offensive coordinator and have that offensive coordinator pretty much be the head coach of the offense while he's you know working more with the defense but being an overall you know, coach for the, for the team and and a good motivator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems like there's probably lots of qualified people that are kind of left in the running for for these two jobs. So, I don't know. We'll see. The Cardinals one's probably, I think you had said that too earlier, that it's probably one of the least desirable ones, Dom, uh, mm-hmm. just because of Kyler Murray. But, I mean, we'll see who takes that. Well, and that, not just because of Kyler Murray. You look at their draft history of not being able to really hit on good draft picks. I mean, Kyler Murray is the only one that's been relatively successful. You've had guys that, you know, have developed into good players in Arizona leave and become even better because they were misused by the organization. Mm -hmm. Um, Hassan Raddick being one relatively recently that's really, in my opinion, should be considered for defense player of the year. Um but yeah, it's just not a good organization. You have um, your best offensive threat in DeAndre Hopkins wanting out. 
So whoever's coming in is going to be left with Kyler Murray, who's coming off the torn ACL. So you're going to have Colt McCoy as your starting quarterback for most of the year. The legend. (laughs) You you made me lose my train of thought. (laughs) That was so stupid. It made me lose my train of thought. Okay. So you're, you're going to come into a season where you're potentially not going to have DeAndre Hopkins, who's a good but aging wide receiver, who's probably past his prime at this point. Your only real wide receiver is um, Hollywood Brown. And I mean, I feel like I off camera, we've talked about him quite a bit. I, I've never really liked him as a, as a wide receiver. Um, so you have Greg Dortch and, and Zach Ertz as, as your offensive weapons. That's not really, really anything to write home about. And then on defense, the only real good defensive players you have are Buda Baker and Isaiah Simmons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because so, uh, I mean, it's it's really, yeah. and plus you're in one of one of the best divisions in football. Mm-hmm. Are they? You have the 49ers who have been to back to back NFC Championship games. You have the Seahawks who lost Russell Wilson but still made the playoffs and are a very good team and have two draft pit, two first-round picks this year. You have the Rams, who are going to be a lot healthier and should be a lot better than what the but five are, wins they had are, this year. But are they, though? Because, I mean, if, I think if they're, there's I yes, think if, gonna there's, be, if there's any indication, they're gonna there's, be there's, no, there, there's no youth coming to that team in the next couple of years because they don't have any – high draft picks so there's no youth that's going to be drafted meaningfully unless they draft really well in the later rounds and then they don't have any cap space to sign anybody so it's a it's but they're a gonna old, be they're gonna be it's an old team who's injury prone and if they if they lose the one or two guys that they have again then we're talking about them being in the same spot and the cardinals they don't they can't seem to get it right i mean like you said kyler murray's going to come back from a ACL injury, you're not going to have DeAndre Hopkins probably. You don't really have anybody significant on defense. So, I mean, the I mean the Seahawks, listen, this the Seahawks performed a lot better than than what we thought. I think I'd I'd like to see Geno Smith put together another good season like that before I'm going to say he's going to be a consistently good quarterback because we haven't seen him do it in the past. So the only really good team is the 49ers, but they're not going to have Jimmy G. We have no idea what Trey Lance is really going to look like, and Brock Purdy just just his arm up. So, like, I mean, who is, is, like is the, that? The is 49ers, that really season? <laughs> the 49ers have enough weapons on that offense, and that scheme is so QB friendly. They can go get, you know, they can go rent a quarterback for a year while Brock Purdy heals his arm, and they'll be able to be fine. You know, you can go get, fuck it, go, go bring in Derek Carr. And they'll probably be Super Bowl favorites. Um, Trey Lance, I was skeptical of that pick from the get-go. Um, yeah, the fact that they drafted him at, at third overall was kind of ridiculous where they could have had um, uh, Justin Fields. But what could have been? Well, yeah, what what could have been? I mean, honestly, if they had Justin Fields, this team would be in the Super Bowl right now. But um, I would say this team probably wins the Super Bowl. Yeah. Maybe I I think I feel like he'd fit the offense. I want to see more of him as a as a passer though. Yeah, I mean he's he's just running for his life right now. So I mean, he can't really throw the ball. Yeah, but when healthy, 
and and the Rams to at least start the year will be healthier. They may not be Super Bowl contenders, but they're going to be more competitive than they were this year. To at least start the year, I don't know what injuries are going to be like not for this team going forward, but yeah, the the, the Cardinals out of all the coaching vacancies right now, I think they're by far the worst position. I guess since since it was brought up, like I guess a a two let's let's go um a too early prediction. What do you guys think the best division is going to be next year? Like, I think a lot of people thought it was going to be, you know, the Cardinals division or it was going to be the AFC West. Um, but I guess what do you guys think the best division is next year, just kind of with what the outlook looks like for these teams right now? I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say the AFC and NFC at what? Or AFC and NFC Norths. Yeah, I would I would yeah. say the AFC East or the AFC North. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think the AFC North is and I know maybe that's maybe we're being a little bit biased because that's what we get to watch all the time, but like as long as Lamar no. as long as Lamar stays with the Ravens, you have that team is and as long as he's healthy, that's a that's a ten win team minimum. The Bengals are a ten win team minimum. If Deshaun Watson can kind of get it figured out, that's probably a ten win team minimum. And then Pittsburgh's on the rise again. It's 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 Mike Tomlin, and he's not going to have a losing season, so you know it's a nine win team minimum. So like, I mean, that's a and not all those teams can win nine or ten games. So you're talking about a division that's probably one of the most competitive divisions, and you know, on top of that, Detroit's on the rise again. Yeah, mm-hmm. Detroit's going to be so good. Yeah, once they figure out more of that defense a little bit and add some younger talent along mm-hmm. with Aiden Hutchinson, that's going to be a solid defense right there. And you know, yeah, but you also you know have the... the Packers who are on the decline. And then you also have the bears who, yes, they have, we, what we think is their franchise quarterback, but when have they shown any sort of ability to develop young players and be, be a competitive team? Yeah. To build. You know? that, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I mean, if 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 Aaron stays in Green Bay and they're able to add pieces, that's if they're able to add some pieces, you're gonna at least have three teams that are at least ten win teams. You know, we we know Kirk Cousins can win ten games in the regular season and then choke in the playoffs. Um, Aaron Rodgers can do the same thing. So we just need to see if the Lions can win ten games and then maybe they'll choke in the playoffs too. Who knows? But hey, uh, give, give the Lions some credit. They. They had a really good year this year. No, no, no. I'm just and, I was I was making more of a joke about Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers than than the Lions. Where do you where do you think the rest of the where are the best divisions are there, Evan? I I agree. Even as a non uh AFC North primary fan, I think they're gonna be the toughest top to bottom. Um the Bengals are always gonna be there. The Ravens, again, they could be a question mark with Lamar, but assuming he stays, they're always gonna be good. Steelers aren't gonna ever be bad. And the Browns, I mean, they're going to have a full season of Deshaun Watson. Whether, you know, you like it or not, he's going to get them some more wins. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested in, too, the, like Dom said, the NFC East. Um, you know, obviously the, with the Eagles, the Cowboys having great years, and the Giants were on the up. Mm-hmm. Um, the Commanders are the big question mark, of course, in that division. But I think having three strong teams that could probably win 10, 11 games next year, I don't know if that works out the way the schedule goes, but just in terms of like those top three, I think that's like on that side of the bracket, the, the next toughest, but AFC North for me um, is just 
for the next, I think, four or five years going to be extremely tough top to bottom. Mm-hmm. I'd also watch out for the AFC East. I mean, you got you got the Jets, who are a quarterback away from being really good. Um, really impressed with with how they were this year, even with horrible quarterback play. You got the Bills, who are always going to be one of, if not the best team, of the AFC. You got the Patriots, who have uh, have some talent. They're a disciplined team. They just need a quarterback, and hopefully, signing an offensive coordinator now that offense is going to be better. And then you got Miami, who, you know, depending on what Tua does, you know, thank or hopefully he's healthy going forward. Um, but if not, you can go go get, you know, Derek Carr or Jimmy G. And this team will probably be fighting for a playoff spot again. So I mean, you you got the AFC and NFC, AFC North and AFC East, where you can honestly make an argument for Every team of those divisions making the playoffs next year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, let's go ahead and move on to the QB carousel uh, before we talk about the championship games that we saw and then the Super Bowl. So the QB carousel, I think I said, you know, in the beginning, there's like 10 guys that could be potentially on the move or they could stay where they're at. It just depends on what shakes out. Obviously, you got Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Jimmy G, uh, Lamar Jackson's up in the air. Um, we don't really know what is going to happen to Sam Darnold. You have Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, Geno Smith, and then Zach Wilson. So I guess let's run it down. Uh, let's go ahead and start with Tom Brady. Where do you think the most likely landing destination is for Tom Brady? Fox Sports. <laughs> He's going to still play. <laughs> is he? Is he? I guess he could be done, but I, I, just I mean, don't... everything, everything for him is, at this point of his career, going into his age 46 season, everything is up in the air. Mm-hmm. You know, he retired before the season and then came back. Who is to say that he finally headed off this year, wanted just proof that, okay, I'm definitely on the decline. This Time to move on, you know. What? But was but was he on the decline? Like, I mean, he still put up. He still had a good season. Like, it's not. Yeah, statistically, he had a good season. But you know, does does he want to move to? There, it's not like when he was leaving the Patriots and the Buccaneers were clearly the team that was just one quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl or or competing for a Super Bowl. There, you look at teams that need a quarterback right now. There's no situation where you can just plug Tom Brady in. I give you, I give you one situation, a situation in which you already talked about earlier that just needs a bridge quarterback while their Mister Irrelevant heals from his arm injury. San yeah, Francisco. I, I, I don't. I don't the, see him going to San Francisco. If he were to come back, I don't option. see him going to San Francisco. Why? Why not? He lo- he. It's L.A. Well, not L.A., but it's California. It it's California. It's freaking awesome in San Francisco. And like they have probably one of the better defenses in the league. And they have they have three of the top twenty offensive weapons in the league. So But we don't know that they're actually looking for a quarterback because they they yeah. invested three first round picks in trading up for Trey Lance. They they are going to see what they have in him because they he only got you know one and a half games this year. You don't just invest three first round picks in a guy to say, well, we're just going to wash our hands of the situation, you know, a year and a half into his career. But you get, you on. get, you get a year of Tom Brady. You get a year of Tom Brady. 
to go win a Super Bowl. Yeah, but you're you're also losing a year of development of either Trey Lance or, or Brock Purdy. Let me ask you something. Like what... you're you're we're all the general manager of San Francisco right now. Do you really think that Trey Lance is your future? Like, I mean, I mean we haven't we haven't seen enough of him to to really make could, a determination. He couldn't, we, he, we could, have... he couldn't beat out well, Jimmy G. I mean, that's like like Jimmy G's. He not... did beat out Jimmy G. He he started the year and he would have kept playing if he wouldn't have. Uh, broken his leg or tore his ACL or whatever he did. So it, it, you don't just invest three first round picks to give up on a guy after one and a half games of his career. You know, San Francisco. What do you, what do you guys think? I think football wise, San Francisco makes a lot of sense. It would be very good, but I don't think Tom pay, Tom Brady's going to pay that California income tax. Going from Florida, no state income tax to California. I don't I don't know if Tom Brady's here for that. Yeah, I think a lot of his motivations for not going there are non-football related. Mm-hmm. I mean, at, at at this point, it doesn't matter about stats, though, guys. He wants he if he's going to come back and play, he wants to win a championship. And if he wants to win a championship, there's only there's only two spots in which he's really going to be able to do that, and that's either San Francisco, or he stays with the Bucks and hope they can put together, you know. A, add a few more guys to that roster so that there's some more depth just in case injuries happen. I mean, those are the only two places that he's going to be able to go and really have an immediate impact, immediate chance of winning a Super Bowl. Mm. I think Vegas or Miami. Vegas, he'd at least have Devontae Adams. Mm. Vegas is interesting with McDaniels there too. I'm still not 100% sure that he's coming back, but if he does, I think it's... I think it's unlikely that he goes to Miami just because I think two approved enough that when he's healthy, that he's their guy going forward. So I, I think if he doesn't retire, I think Vegas is probably the spot where we'll see him. All yeah, right. and I agree with Dom. I think that I think that he just wanted to try and go out on top, and I think that as soon as he struggled with Tampa Bay, he. I think he's just done. Why put well, him- not not just struggled? He himself had a good year, but statistically, that was one of the worst offenses in the league this year. Whether that was his fault or not, he definitely played a part in it, and def- didn't have as great of a season as we've seen from him before. But I think he needed proof that okay, I'm 45. I'm not able to play up to the level that I have been before. Maybe it's you know time to call it quits and I have a, a lifetime deal with, with Fox sports waiting for me. Yeah. All right. Uh, next on the list, who goes gets Aaron Rodgers? The jets. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they've already much. been, been pretty heavily linked to them. Mm. Um, they're, they're kind of set on getting a veteran. I, I think their head coach even said that they kind of want to bring in a vet, um, a quarterback. I think it'd be a good win now move. You have our, a team that has an elite defense. If um, what's the name of their running back can come back and, and be healthy. Brees Hall. Yeah, if Brees Hall can come back and be healthy, he's going to be a game changer. And then you have a lot of weapons in the wide receiver room where Aaron Rodgers will def- definitely like throwing to Garrett Wilson. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that would be a good win now move for him. Yeah, and I agree with New York as well. Yeah, I think that sticks out as the best place. I mean, you never know. He might just be back to Green Bay again. We all thought last year or two years ago he wasn't coming back. So, Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he either stays in Green Bay or 
I think the I think the Jets probably. I mean, it's either going to be the Jets or or maybe the Colts that put together the package to get him. But I mean, the Colts have the better draft pick at this point, so maybe they're able to entice him with that number four pick. I don't know, but I do have him going to the Jets. I think for whatever reason, it seems like the Packers repeat themselves in history. So the Jets seem like the the likely choice, I guess. <laughs> um, moving on down the list, you guys pretty much have Tom Brady. If he stays in football, he's going to Las Vegas. So that kicks Derek Carr out of Las Vegas. Where do we start? already kicked out. Well, yes, but I was trying to make a fun story out of it, but whatever. Fuck you. Um, where does Derek Carr go? <laughs> uh, possibly New York as well. If they wanted a cheaper deal. Than Aaron Rodgers, um, he's still a solid quarterback. He well, not solid. He's he's a decent quarterback that can make throws in with the offense that they have, mm-hmm. and definitely make things happen. So New York Jets for me. Um, I think for me, I literally just thought of this as David was speaking. I think the Saints would be a good fit for him. Uh, obviously, Andy Dalton isn't their long-term quarterback. Um, neither is Jameis Winston, who I don't even think is going to be getting a job next year. Um, I, th- I think that might be a good fit for him. And you you have a team where you have Alvin Kamara, you'll have Michael Thomas. Whatever you can get out of Michael Thomas is, is going to be a nice added bonus because you're not really expecting anything from him at this point. But then you also got Chris Olave. Um I I think that would be I think that'd be a good move for the organization. Yeah, I like those. The only other one that I've seen or, or thinking about would just be to Washington. Um I just think yeah. it makes sense for them to go get kind of like a bide their time kind of guy um until they find their future piece in the next couple drafts. I feel like he would be someone that could hold him over and do well enough, you know, with Terry McLaurin and those guys over there, but it's not too exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Him, because Jimmy G's next on the list, but for Carr and, and Jimmy, I kind of had them both almost kind of the same pathways. Like, there's a lot of teams that, that need a quarterback just to kind of steady the ship that, that they could be a lot more successful if they had one of those guys. So, like Dom said, like, you have New Orleans, you have, if the Jets can't get a hold of Aaron Rodgers, one of those two guys would be a good spot. You know, maybe Carolina goes out and gets one of those two guys. I, I still think that Indy is definitely a possible landing spot for both of those guys, just depending on what they want to do with that number four pick. Like if if uh, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud go in the top three and they're not able to get a hold of one of those guys, maybe they're not super sold on Will Levis, so maybe they go get, you know, one of those guys to kind of be a quarterback for three years. Um, you have Tampa Bay, like if Tom Brady leaves, they're going to want a guy to stay competitive down there. You know what I mean? So maybe one of those two guys could do that. Um, and then maybe, well, I Jim- mean, if for the, for the Colts, I mean, I, I know this is Evan's team, but they're, they're in a position they're picking for, if they don't trade up to number one, I mean, it's very likely that CJ Stroud could still be there. I, I think they're yeah. at a point where they're, they're done with the rent a quarterback. Well, I'm just, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, if it doesn't work out in that favor, like other teams jump up, we still don't know. Maybe, maybe Seattle takes one of the quarterbacks at three. We don't know that. I mean, Geno Smith had had a good season, but 
at the same time, we haven't seen him be consistently good throughout his career. So if CJ Stroud falls to number three to them, you know, what's stopping Seattle from taking that? They still have another first round draft pick that they could add somebody else, you know, as then, well. Then they'll then they'll take Bryce Young at four. Yeah, I think No, because I think Bryce Young's gonna go to the Texans at number two. I think like Dom said, I yeah. think the Colts and as a Colts fan, I feel this way is like I think they're just done with with that random quarterback model. Um, I think that's partially why Jim or say went out and was um, before they fired Frank Reich, they started Sam Ellinger over Matt Ryan and they were trying to find their guy, the future. So I think that's what they're going to go with. It is definitely going to be tough if Bryce Young and Stroud are off the board, but I still think they'll pick Levis or um, even Richardson uh, as a project guy and, and bring in a bridge quarterback. But I think they're going to try to get their guy for the future. Cause I think it's just been too long of like renting a quarterback and, you know, they get hurt and, it's just a cycle. It's been too. It's been too painful as a Colts fan. So I'm hoping they go and try to get their guy. Yeah, if they if they don't get one of the top two, they're they're gonna have to bring in a bridge quarterback anyway. Because I I I I don't have very much faith in Will Levis. I think Will Levis is another Zach Wilson Trey Lance scenario where everybody thinks he's a lot better than what what he is. But um, I, I know, a lot of the sentiment around him also reminds me of what was said about Josh Allen going into the 2018 draft. Dude, he did not have a good season this year, man. Like, I don't think people understand. Like, when you when you look at the season that he had compared to like, I, I just I I just don't I I don't know. And everybody's gonna be enamored because he's tall and he has arm strength and he can move within the pocket and it's gonna be the same shit that I, I we think... that we saw with Zach Wilson. And I just I'm not I don't understand why everybody keeps falling into these same traps with these guys. And then they get drafted in the top 10. And then when they don't turn out to be good, they're like, like it, it's these I, guys' fault. Like you, they should have, they should have, they should have been second round draft picks. They shouldn't be first round draft picks. I think Will Levis can succeed if he's in the right situation. If he's not thrown in the fire and starting immediately his rookie year, if he can go to the Colts, you know, if, if Stroud and Young are off the board and they get a good bridge quarterback that he can learn from and work with a coach that can, really refine his skills. I think the raw talent is there. I just think he needs more time and more coaching. So if he can go somewhere and sit for a year and then start year two, then I think he'll be much better off. But yeah, I agree. If he's asked to start week one, I don't think he's going to be successful. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, Moving on. Did you guys want to go over Jimmy G or do you want to move on from him? You can do Jimmy G. Okay, because I already kind of said that I feel like he's kind of in the same vein as Derek Carr for me, where he's kind of one of those guys that there's a lot of teams that he can kind of step into and be like a two or three year bridge quarterback. But what do you guys think? Miami. Um, either Indy or um, if they do it properly, they can probably do make an argument for Houston. I guess if Houston. Yeah, I think that would be less likely. I only say Miami because. We know, unfortunately, two is very injury prone. So it is very likely that at some point next year, two is going to get injured again. And they're going to need someone that can come in and play just as well. Um, maybe with a little bit of a slight drop off, but, but still play rel- relatively well and keep the team competitive. And I think Jimmy G can be that guy. Is he, he going to go there knowing that he's going to be the backup? Like, I feel like he's going to want to go somewhere he went and into start. This, he, 
he went into this situation with the 49ers knowing that he was going to be the backup for Trey Lance. Because he, he wanted he wanted his like money that he was guaranteed. So I don't he know. took he took he took a lesser deal. He signed he he restructured his contract so he was making a lot less money this year. He 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 well he he did that so that he can get out of it this year. That's why he did that because he wanted to go somewhere else and play. Yeah. So in I, mean, no, I I think no, no if he goes to Miami, he's still going to be getting a lot of time because again we know at some point two is going to get injured again, and then Jimmy G will get hurt because he's also injury prone, and you're hoping by then that two is healthy again and can come back and fill in for the injured Jimmy G. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe the Packers go out and get him when they deal Aaron Rodgers. Who knows? <laughs> what do you think, Evan? I think Miami would be a good spot. I could also see him going in as a potential bridge or just a potential like mentor for one of those uh, early quarterbacks to like the Texans yeah. or um, the Colts or somewhere like that. I, again, if it's the Colts, I hope they're not signing him to be the guy. But um, yeah, I think he's either going to go somewhere with an established starter that, like Dom said, is maybe injury prone, like Miami or someplace where, because um, I just don't think there's a huge market out there for him as a full time, like the guy starter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, um, let's do like I'm gonna throw like four names out there of guys who are kind of like fringe starters, maybe, maybe even could be potentially fringe out of the league, but but their jobs are kind of up in there at this point. Um, so you got Zach Wilson, Sam Darnold, Daniel Jones, and Baker Mayfield. What do we think that their, I guess, future looks like going forward? I think Daniel Jones gets extended with the Giants. I think he had a very, very good year this year. I think he took a couple steps forward. Mm-hmm. Is he guaranteed to himself, you know, franchise quarterback money? No, but I think he played well enough to get at least a short-term extension with the Giants. Um mm-hmm. So that's where I see him going. I think Baker, he's going to be a backup somewhere. I think it'd be smart for him to stay with the Rams. Yeah. Um, he, he seems to really like Sean McVay. Him, they seem to be on the same page. And if um, Sam, um, Matt Stafford, yeah, if Matt Stafford gets hurt again, Baker showed that he could step into the Sean McVay offense and, you know, not be a dumpster fire. You know, he had a couple good games with them. Um, so I, I think staying in L.A. would be best for Baker. Zach Wilson, who knows, back up somewhere. I don't know, someone will take a shot at him. You know, maybe, maybe the Packers, if they move on from Aaron Rodgers, they'll kick the tires on Zach Wilson. He is really young, only going into his third year. Mm-hmm. So maybe they see him as someone that they can develop. Yeah, I probably have the uh, – for the most part, agree with Dom on uh, pretty much all of those guys. Um, if if Zach Wilson doesn't get a contract, he'll probably end up getting a contract with whatever uh, mom he can find on OnlyFans. So you had to go there, didn't you? You just, you just had, had to bring that up. Listen, what is uh, what is what is that show now? It's on. Is it? Is is it called Milf Manor or something like that? Yes. Yeah. Like that. Tell me that Zach Wilson hosts that show. <laughs> <laughs> he could be. I could see him as a as a like reality TV guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although he seems, yeah, he seems I think uh, he'd be better at that than a quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to find another talent. <laughs> Where do you guys think Jacoby's going though? 
I think Cleveland for another year, but who knows? I think he played well enough where he priced himself out of being a backup for the Browns, especially with their current cap situation. Mm. Um, I I think he played well enough where he could at least contend for a starting job next year. I think like Houston might be a good spot for him to be a like bridge guy. If they go get a guy, maybe well bridge guy, great mentor. Well, I don't yeah. know if he, I don't, I don't know if he'd be a bridge guy because they, they'd be drafting top two quarterback. So, I was but going off of with Frank Reich in Carolina. I know Reich loves him from his yeah. in Indy. Yeah, I could see him being there for a little while, depending on if they go get somebody or not. I mean, yeah, Carolina, maybe, maybe Washington. Washington wouldn't be an awful spot. They're kind of a, it's kind of a similar offense, you know, a run first mm-hmm. kind of offense. So. That wouldn't be an awful like I think for Washington that would probably be like their fourth choice in a guy, but I I don't know. I think it's more likely that he ends up a backup somewhere rather than a starter, but definitely definitely an interesting guy. Um, let's see here. You guys think Geno Smith stays in Seattle? You think they, they pay him to stay there for a little bit longer? I think he'll he'll sign like a one year extension. Do you think Seattle takes a quarterback at three, or do you think they take a skill position? Probably something defense-related, because that's what they really, really struggled on last year, was especially running defense. I think they were like, what, 27th in the entire league on running defense? But you don't, you don't, you don't think, you don't think if CJ's sitting there that they're not like, why not go get him? I mean, at, at worst comes to worst, you sign Geno Smith to like a, a two-year deal or something like that, something you can get out easily in the second year, and then you draft CJ and and he kind of sits for a year, maybe. Like, I mean, I, I mean, looking at the mock draft that I'm looking at the CBS mock draft that was put out yesterday, um Seahawks picking five, the best quarterback on the board when they draft is Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. So I mean I thought they had they the can third. go. No, it's five. No, yeah, that's it's five. The Who Cardinals is... have the third pick. Oh, it, it honestly wouldn't be a bad idea. Right now, it has them taking Tyree Wilson, but if they trade down, get another first for next year, mm-hmm. draft draft a defensive guy, and then maybe package, you know, whatever you need to to move up to number one to get um, Caleb Williams next year. Yeah, and going to the next year with Caleb Williams as your starting quarterback, then I, yeah. I, I think that's something to definitely consider. Yeah, definitely interesting. All right, uh, last guy on the list, Lamar Jackson, Baltimore. I think he gets uh, franchise tag. Franchise. Well, they'll figure it out from there. I agree. I think he'll be in Baltimore, but I can hope and pray if that uh, relationship's broken there. He's a guy I'd take in Indianapolis. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's very likely, though. But uh, yeah, if the relationship's broken, I would love to see it. I def I definitely think he gets franchise tagged, but I don't I don't know. Something in me just feels like he's gonna get traded. I don't know why, but I don't know I don't know where I don't know who pulls the trigger. I'm not quite sure. Like like the the Jets seem like a. A team that would be like, because yeah, they can go out. The Jets seem like a good fit for any team that might 
or the, the for a QB that might remotely get traded. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it just if if you're if you're in the market for Aaron Rodgers, then why wouldn't you be in the market for Lamar Jackson? You know what I mean? I think that's like not that they're the same quarterback, but it it just if they're both available, I would I would almost be like, well, let me take the younger guy. Like I know Lamar is a little bit more injury prone, but with that offense, yeah. But the the, the price tag is going to be so high compared to to what you you'd have to give up to get Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just think, I don't know. I just I just the Ravens aren't. I just don't think they want to pay him because he they they just don't believe that he can stay healthy and and the way that they play him, no, he's not going to be able to. So they have to see if he can transition into being a pass first quarterback, and then I think that's why he'll be franchise tagged. Maybe they'll they'll sign Eric Bieniemy to be their offensive coordinator, see how he does under this new offensive scheme, and yeah. if it doesn't work out well, then you move on from him and yeah. you bring in. I mean, any quarterback could could do well in in Eric Bieniemy offense. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's quickly go over the. Uh, conference championship games, and then how we feel the Super Bowl is going to play out. So whoever wants to go first. I honestly thought that San Francisco would have played, even with Brock Purdy getting injured, a heck of a lot better than what they did. David, David, they literally had Christian McCaffrey playing quarterback at some point. What do you mean you thought they were going to be better? He almost... Almost had to play quarterback. I I and they literally it he, I, it makes sense that they got beat the way that they did because they didn't have anybody who could throw the ball. Like I mean, even when Brock Purdy came out, he couldn't throw the ball. All he could do is turn around and hand it off. And it's like you're gonna be able to stop that because now you're just putting eight people in the box and it doesn't matter. So it's an unfortunate I, thing, but it's it's unfortunate. I think the way that the 49ers handed themselves at the end of the game. Um, with the whole Trent Williams situation and mm-hmm. just with, with how they were acting at the end of the game, I think that was pretty embarrassing for them. Um, definitely would have thought that they would have handled themselves better. But, I mean, I, I picked the Eagles to win anyways, even if Brock Purdy stayed yeah. healthy. Um, so, I mean, that game pretty pretty much ended how I anticipated it to in terms of the Eagles winning. It just would have been closer if, if he was healthy and played, I think I just, I think it would have been a better game, but yeah, that's all I was really going to say about it. Like, I wish we would have gotten to see, um, you know, the full game with, with Brock Purdy healthy, just to see how good of a game it would have been. I still would have picked the Eagles just because they've been so good this year, but obviously it's a shame. We didn't get to the shame. It came down to what it did. Yeah. And the injury that he got sucks because I don't know. I was really hoping that he would be able to go into next year and get the opportunity to to continue to start. Um, just he might I, be ready by training camp. Yeah, yeah, but we I just I just we don't know if if he's going to be able to be the same. And I think that's obviously with medicine nowadays. Obviously, guys come back and they don't really look much different. But I mean, he's uh, getting Tommy John surgery, and honestly, in, in baseball, we're seeing a lot of pitchers come back from Tommy John surgery and be better than they were before. Yeah, you know, just... it's it's not as devastating of a surgery as it as it used to be. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. Um, what do you guys think about Bengals and Chiefs? Obviously, there was a ton of controversial calls in that one. Um, that could go either way depending on how you feel. But it came down to 
Patrick Mahomes running on a bum wheel, getting him in field goal range, and uh, yeah, that's how it ended. So, how do you guys feel about it? I mean, I think obviously that was the best game of the weekend. Um, I love watching these two teams play. I, anytime the Bengals and Chiefs are playing, um, I'm watching it. Um, the last four times they've played each other, it's each game has been decided by three points. Um, the, I think these are two of the best teams in the league, let alone just the AFC. Um, I think these are the two best quarterbacks in the league. I knew it was going to be an amazing game. I don't think that the that the Bengals were were screwed. I don't think the game was rigged. Um, the last play at the end with the the unnecessary roughness was a clear unnecessary yeah. roughness penalty. Um, and there were also a lot of drives that the Bengals just didn't take and take advantage of. I mean, they had, they stopped the chiefs a lot. Um, they had two turnovers by Joe Burrow. Um, a lot of drives that if they would have taken advantage of, they wouldn't have been in that situation and they probably would have won. But I think for the most part, the chiefs played better throughout most of the game. And I think, I think the, the better team won this year. Yeah. And I think, I think it's like, the the team as a whole, the organization as a whole, and the city as a whole learned a, a valuable lesson. Like, just shut your mouth and go play football. Like, I, there there's yeah. a reason there's a reason that Tom Brady was able to be so successful in New England is that's because they they never gloated about their success and he never ran his mouth and walked around like he was the coolest dude in the room. He just went to work and did his job and and he didn't give a shit if they they won the the AFC Championship game or not. He still went out there and played the Super Bowl like it was the most important thing in the world. You know what I mean? So I think that's a, it's just a valuable lesson. Like they, they really pissed off the chiefs and and regardless of what was going to happen, I kind of figured they were going to lose that game just because of that. Even though before all that was happening, I kind of had, I had the Bengals winning just because I, I, I really like as a Steelers fan, I really like their team and I really like Joe Burrow. Um, But they just kind of ran their mouth too much. So (laughs) Yeah, and what what the Cincinnati mayor had to say before the game definitely uh, didn't help the situation. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Though I think it's a really fun like budding rivalry in the NFL. I hope we get to watch these teams in the playoffs year after year. I think it could be you know the next Peyton Manning, Tom Brady type rivalry between Burrow and um, Mahomes. Um, just feel bad uh, for Asai. Was it the guy who who had the roughing the passer? penalty he looked like that obviously like really tore him up but um a great game and i'm excited to see these teams continue to face off in the next probably decade plus yeah who do you guys have in the super bowl obviously it's chiefs eagles how do you think it plays out probably eagles over chiefs yeah i agree okay i think that their defense is too good um and jalen hurts is too good of a quarterback and i don't think the Chiefs have enough in the secondary to stop both Devontae Smith and um, A.J. Brown. Yeah, I think the only thing that'll swing it is if Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he gets a couple weeks rest. If he comes back and that ankle is really healthy and he can run well, that'll make a difference. But, you know, I could see it going very similar if if he's not healthy to that. Uh, was it the Bucks or the 49ers where they were just all over him? The Bucks. Um, yeah, the Bucks, the Bucks Super Bowl a couple years back, where they were just all over him. If he's if he's not as mobile, I could see that being a a repeat. Yeah, I'm gonna disagree with you guys. I think I think the Chiefs defense is gonna 
if they play the same way they played against the Bengals, they're going to be able to handle the Eagles wide receiving core just fine because they shut down Jamar Chase and T. Higgins just fine. And to be completely honest, I feel like... I wouldn't say they really shut down Jamar Chase, but... He had he had six receptions for under 100 yards. That's shutting down it's, Jamar Chase. So like in 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 relative terms, if they're able if they're able to hold those guys in the same way that they were able to hold the Chiefs guys, and to be completely honest, I think Jamar Chase and T Higgins are probably on the same. They're 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 it's equal. Those two are equal to the other two that the Eagles have. Like so. I think that that that's the thing. The only thing that's going to be able to determine it is if they can stop Jalen Hurts from running the ball. If they if they can effectively put pressure on him and stop him from moving, you know, around and out of the pocket, then I think I think the Chiefs' offense, if they can, if the guys can come back healthy, I think that they're going to be just fine. You know what I mean? I, I made this comment with with the NFC championship game, like I really like the the 49ers and I think they, they had, I think honestly they had the better defense and I think they had more offensive weapons, but it comes down to your quarterback and where they're at in their career and how much time they have had under center and how just the moment that they're in, you know what I mean? This is the first moment that Jalen hurts has been in the super bowl. Like Patrick Mahomes, this is what his third super bowl that he's been to. So it's not like he's, fresh and new to it and I just think Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback. So as long as long as their wide receiving core comes back healthy and they can slow down Jalen Hurts running the ball, I think the Chiefs have a really good chance of winning this game. A lot better than what I think people are going to give them. So, I don't know. I mean, I, just because I think the Eagles are going to win doesn't mean that I think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a really close game. No, no, I no. Just yeah, think no. That, I just think that as good as Patrick Mahomes is I, I think that Eagles defense is too good where they're going to be able to slow him down enough where um, the Eagles offense is going to be able to take advantage of that. Not like how the Bengals were unable to take advantage of it. I don't know. I mean, he, he got, he got uh, what Valdez Scantling, like over a hundred yards, a touchdown or something like that against the Bengals defense. So I don't, I don't know. And the Bengals defense is not, it's not like they're a bunch of scrubs. Like that's a pretty solid defense like they're at least a top yeah defense i just think league. that the eagles have the best defense so, in, the, in the league so uh, don't get me wrong the best defense in the league they they sure as hell have played like it all year and especially in the playoffs i don't know about the best defense what what, what defense has been better throughout the playoffs than the, than the eagles defense oh if we're talking about the playoffs sure yeah they probably have i mean i would say the 49ers would are probably a better defense like denver clearly had a better defense I would even say Pittsburgh's defense is better than Philly's defense. But like if we're talking about all around, I mean the this the Steelers were in the same boat as the Broncos that the Steelers were able to score more than 21 points a game. This year we'd be talking about a completely different outlook on their season. So it's like in the the what the Broncos were the same way if they were able to score more than 18 points a game or something like that, they would be a 10-win team. You know what I mean? So it's like I think I think that's a big it's a big tell of how good your defense is and how much it affects other teams. So, like I'm not saying that the Eagles defense isn't good, but I just don't I don't know. I just think Patrick Mahomes is the difference maker and like Evan said if he's if he's healthy and he's ready to go, I think that's what's going to push them over the edge and give them a little bit better of a chance of winning that game. And at this point it's kind of like why bet against him until he you know what I mean? I I, I don't know. Um, that's pretty much all I had. Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about? 
No, that's pretty much it. No, no, yeah, nothing. Really. Nothing coming up. Yeah, other than the Super Bowl. You guys gonna watch the Pro Bowl? Hell no. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> how about the NBA? How about the NBA All Star Game? Hell you know, no. You're gonna watch Mac McClug in the dunk contest? No, you couldn't pay me enough to watch that. <laughs> Garbage. I do I do like that they're doing the draft like right before the game though. I think that's pretty funny. I think that's that's one of the worst aspects of it. Why? It makes me want to watch it even less. Why? You don't like the draft part? No, why no, that 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 makes it even more of a joke. And the the it just we already knew that these guys didn't take the all-star game seriously. The fact that they're doing the draft a half hour but before I mean, tip off. But in in like reality, like why would we expect them to take it seriously at all? This is like a Oh, I guess Evan left. And then why why even have it? Because it's just it's just a fun thing to do for the fans. I mean, what in what in in what real time other than this instant are you going to be able to see all the best players in the league at the same time? If I'm just watching them in a pickup game, like that's not going to. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to pay to go to the game in general. But like, it I I think. I think we I think we're too hard on all-star games in general because if if realistically you look at what it is, it's a it's the best players in the league who are just coming together to have a little bit of a fun pickup game for everybody. You get an opportunity to see all these guys play at the same time with each other, have a fun time, do some fun stuff. Like that's what it is at face value. The fact that we that we expect any the fact that we expect any more from that is kind of insane like that's just that is what it is i'm not i'm not saying i expect them to take it seriously i'm just like what's the point of it like i just don't see the point of of watching a pickup game where guys are giving 50 percent effort i'd much rather see you know big stars in the dunk contest or, to, be, um, to be fair, though, they the past couple of years they have been putting in a lot more effort because they added the whole charity aspect into it, and they added the um, it's like what each quarter is kind of a different game. So like, I do feel like they've made it more meaningful, and guys do try a lot harder. So like, not that they're, I don't think they're going one hundred percent, but I think we've bridged the gap from fifty to hundred, and we're right around that seventy five, eighty percent. I do think that we're there. It's at least with the NBA. The NFL one is kind of a joke. Like, I mean, what, your quarterbacks for the AFC this year are, are Tyler Huntley, Derek Carr, and uh, Trevor Lawrence. Like, that's not... I mean, Trevor Lawrence had an amazing season, but I think that... I think football is the one sport that doesn't need an all-star game just because of how violent the sport is. Mm-hmm. It, it makes no sense for these guys to go risk tearing an ACL or you know, a severe concussion that's going to potentially derail their career for a game that means absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, NFL, the NFL All-Star, like, weekend should just be, like, a bunch of drinking games or something. Still <laughs> like... Just don't even, don't even have it. Don't just even br- have you, it. Maybe, maybe bring in, like, the, the passing drills that they did in, like, the early 2000s or just do, like, a bunch of fan events or something. I don't know. Maybe, oh, here's one. Here's an idea. Let me see if you guys like this. All these fans that they give kickers shit for missing field goals, like, oh, I could do that. 
go line them up there and actually give them a chance to to kick those field goals. That, that I think that'd be a fun event. I would watch that. I think I I've been give Bob from uh, Chicago the diehard Bears fans like oh I I could hit that field goal that was the double doink. I've been, Get, I've been yeah, in the let him go try. Like how how fun would it be, especially like in like the NBA All Star Weekend, like for like the three point contest or something? You're just like, oh fan, that's in you know row row CC seat twenty seven. Come down, you're in the three point contest now, and just being like, just them pulling some random person out of there just to be, just to add some comedy to it, and also like just to see the the realistic difference between a regular person and an NBA player. Like mm. I think they could do, they could do the same thing. Like Dom's saying for the NFL, like all these Monday, all these Monday night, you know, quarterbacks or whatever you go back kickers, and look at the Sunday afternoon kickers. Yeah. You like go back and look at tweets and see who's like, you know, just really shit on quarterbacks and kickers throughout the year or something like that, or wide receivers. And you just pull them in and make them do drills and stuff and make the wide receivers that they like crapped on. Just be there watching them be really bad at what they said they could do. I think that would be gold. I think that would be funny that I would watch that. So, and it would get people to like realistically stop. So, I don't know. But, alrighty. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Sorry this one was so long, but you know how we get when we start talking about sports. We just don't want to stop. So, So, that's why we do this. (laughs) Yep. Uh, if there's anything else that we missed, just let us know. But other than that, thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll catch you on another one. Thank you for listening to another Deep Dive Sports show. Make sure to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow our YouTube channel for more amazing content. Lastly, make sure you leave us a comment. We love hearing what you have to say. And as always, until next time, Deep Dive Sports listeners.